Hello, everybody. We are excited that you are here. Uh, my name is Sarah. This is Pamela. You are in a room for empowering women through short-term trips. This is my dear sister, Pamela. So uh, I was in a place in my walk uh, where I was confused about the direction that God was taking me. And I found myself on a short-term trip to Ghana where I met Francis Bukachi, her husband. It was in October that year that I finally met Pamela, and we have been uh, partners and walking side by side ever since. Pamela is a nurse by trade, and um, her first time that she went on a short-term trip was in 1992. And she was, went from um, a place outside of Nairobi to a place called Garissa, Kenya. And it was there that she answered the call to become a missionary. So she knew that working as a nurse, she could take those skills that she had learned and apply those into a way that God would use her to become the mother of many nations. So she is called Mom Pam to those who uh, dearly love her. Um, Amela, if you are an age mate. <laughs> so um, I'm happy to be sharing this session with Pamela Bukachi. Amen. Uh, we are here just because we, we are so passionate about women in ministry, women who make safe places for other women, and women who will take a, a step of courage to go to a place that may be unfamiliar and uncomfortable to them in order to walk out in the purpose that God's given them. And that's what we mean by empowering women. And so um, we had some technical difficulties. We'll see if this works. It does not appear to be working. Okay, so on the mission field, we just put that in your back pocket. <laughs> and pretend like uh, everything is fine. I think, um, I think our favorite guy is going to just stay over there. <laughs> you can leave the camera there and then stay. Yeah. So Hope Alive Initiatives is who we work for. It was founded by Francis and Pamela in Ghana. And our vision is to restore hope to individuals and Christian organizations through holistic empowerment. We're going to touch a little bit on what that means, that holistic empowerment. And it's our heart's desire that we would be able to come along like-minded partners and individuals to um, help to facilitate healthy mental, emotional, spiritual, and um, grow through Scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a gap that is prevalent all across the world. We have a lot of church hurt, um, a lot of pain that goes back for generations. And it affects how we behave, how we interpret Scripture, how we see each other, and how we see God the Father. And so it's, it's our goal as Hope Alive Initiatives to help people come to a place of restoration where they can be fully unleashed to do what God has purposed for them to do. Amen. Amen. So, why short-term trips? We get this question a lot. So, if somebody could read for me Matthew 28, 18 through 20, or if you know it, you can say it off the top of your head. Somebody's looking it up. Who's a brave person? Go Yes. Go therefore and make disciples. And that's why we go baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So Matthew 28 tells us to go. And that's the primary reason why we do that. A secondary reason can be found in 2 John 1.12. There's only one chapter in 2 John. Anybody know what that says? I'll need help with this one. Okay. i got to go on a short trip and get my Bible. <laughs> so John, 2 John is the only... Um, thank you. 
is the only epistle that's written to a woman. I don't know if you're aware of that. Some scholars think that it is written to the church. Others think it's written to an actual woman. And so the whole chapter is nuanced by that. And verse 12 says, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that my joy may be complete. There is something special about going to someone and encouraging them, putting your arm around them, looking them in the eye, and saying, I'm here with you. And I'm excited to be here with you. And let's hold hands and let's walk through what God has got prepared for us for the next week, weekend, however long your trip is. And that's the premise in the heart of why Pamela and I go to uh, different places, wherever we're invited. So why women's trips? I'm going to turn it over to Pamela. Why women's trips? Because Jesus started it all. Women followed after Jesus and they made his needs. The first woman, the first person to appear after restoration. What was her name? Mary. And so we have a special part in Christ's work for us. And when he appears to the disciples in John 20, 21, he says, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. He didn't say, As the Father has sent the men, so send I the men. He said, As the Father has sent me, so send I you. And again in John 15, 16, he says, You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you to go. Francis, my husband, always says, God knows English. He chooses you. He appoints you to go, not to sit. And so that's why we make it possible for you to be able to come to us. We make it possible for you to be received. Times have changed. Right now, if you are passing any immigration case, they'll ask, where are you going? Who will you stay with? They want your address. And so we make it possible for you when you make that decision to go because it's an invitation. I was invited. That's how my journey in missions began. As a student nurse at a very prestigious hospital in Kenya, I was studying nursing, registered nurse, and then one gentleman from a university, he had studied education and they had gone to the northern part of our country and he saw the need. There was a civil uh, conflict in Somaliland and most of the refugees were coming into Kenya. So there was a gap for health provision. And so as he came to our hospital, he said, hey, would like to come and see what God is doing in the northern part of Kenya. And I thought, I would like just to go and see. And as I was traveling to go to this part of the country, the bus broke down, the road was very rough, and so we sat like about five hours in the hot sun. And suddenly I noticed one thing. The people that I was going to visit, the indigenous people, the Somalis, the women, sat patiently with their children on the floor waiting for the bus to be repaired. Those like me, the so-called Christians, were everywhere. When will this bus be ready? It's too hot. It's fantastic. And we are complaining and murmuring. And it's like, I just saw, I learned a lesson on patience from those I was going to minister. While short-term things, sometimes when you come, you learn from us and we learn from you. As you come, you're able to learn from those who are hosting you. But also, the greatest thing, we also learn from you who has come. And so it's from this place, when I went, it was only four days. By the time I went back to the nursing school, I knew I wanted to become a missionary. And by the time I graduated, I signed up to be a missionary nurse in the northern part. Amen.
So there are four reasons why we go. One, God tells us to. The second one is because we need to encourage the church. There are people that are in hard places, and it could be another part of town. It could be across the street. It could be um, domestically or internationally. But as women, we all need somebody to come and look at us and encourage us. Especially for those of us who are working hard in the field day to day. So one, is one because God tells us to go. Two, is to encourage the church. A third reason, I have to look at my notes, <laughs> is because mission is an identity. It's not an activity of the church. And it should be part of our identity as women to want to go and bring as many other women as possible the hope that can be found in Christ Jesus. And so as we are going, as it says in Matthew 28, some of that looks like we don't necessarily need to be a scholar, a theologian, a teacher, a nurse, or a trainer. 99% of the time, when you reach the destination you're going to, I'm going to say it this way, 99% of the work is done. If you're going on an international trip, whenever you land and you are greeted by the team there, your counterparts, and they see the love that you have, that you have been willing to travel so far, that is such an encouragement to them. And that means that almost all, everything that happens from that moment on is, is gravy. It's God's goodness just coming out and oozing from you because you cared enough to take one step of courage and obedience to follow Matthew 28. So that's go because God tells us to. Go because the church needs to be encouraged. Go because mission is an identity, not an activity. It should be something that just oozes out of us. When we're given the invitation, we should be excited to say yes, but let me check my calendar. It shouldn't be, uh, let me check first, and then I'll get back to you in a few weeks. Let your answer be yes, and then make the arrangements to go. And then the fourth thing is it stretches our faith. How many of you have been on a short-term trip? How many of you, as soon as you submitted the application, thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? I know, I have done that. (laughs) In fact, I got on a plane in September with Tamara Brown. We were headed over to Central Asia. And on the plane, I was like, oh no, what have I done? I'm so tired. I'm going to a place I've never been before. I don't speak the language. I don't know the customs. But God's faithful. And it was a tremendous trip that stretched my faith from seeing and being encouraged by people from another place. Because they may have learned from us, but I know I learned far more from them. So those are the four reasons why we go. And this is why we take women on short-term trips. Exactly what Pamela said. It's because we want to empower women, and I want to define empowerment for you. The dictionary defines it this way. The process of becoming stronger and more confident, especially in controlling one's own life and one's gift. I'm going to take it a step further. That when we surrender through that confidence, when we give our confidence over to him, That's when we become empowered from a biblical viewpoint. When we are willing to say that this is impossible except from God's grace, that is when we give the opportunity for God to work in us. So that when you come home from a trip, domestically, across the state, whatever, your stories won't be, look what I did. You won't come and show the pictures and say, I did this, and I did this, and I did... It'll be, look what God's doing in this place. And so that's what gets me excited and passionate about it.
And so my journey continued. After arriving in the northern part of our country, I, I did some missions training. That was the basic mission. Little did I know that I was a part of a puzzle that God was building up. As a family, we left Garissa and we left Kenya and went to Ghana. And when in Ghana, having stayed only three months, I meet a former a Muslim background believer, young girl called Sophia. And as she shares her needs and she shares with me, she tells me, she calls me one pound. I'm selling bread so that I can raise money to have my wedding. What had happened when she came to faith, her family rejected her and didn't want anything to do with her wedding. And so and we are three months in this place and the Lord brings us somebody to adopt. And so we tell her we are willing to help you get married. And we did that. It's so amazing that the planning, the short-term trip to Garissa prepared me for the long-term mission that God had for me in Ghana. And so, Sophia gives her life to the Lord, gets married to a very uh, sweet brother in Christ. And she has a desire to serve the Lord. And so the next time, we, after three years, we go back to Kenya. The next time we go back to Ghana with a team, guess who is leading our team in Ghana? None other than Sophia, who has been empowered. And so, as Sarah has said, as you go, it's not really what you are doing. You are able to say, see what the Lord is doing. See what the Lord has done. And so Sophia now is in Ghana and she's able to, if, if I'm in Kenya and there's a team going to Ghana, I don't have to travel to Ghana to receive you. Sophia will be there to receive you. Sophia will be there to guide you. And one great miracle that happened uh, last year, we had a team from Southeast and a team from Kenya visit with Sophia in Ghana and the beauty of it we were able to visit Sophia's hometown. From the time she left her home because of persecution, she had never visited her siblings. And what a joy to be able to sit with her family as we pray together. Those were part of the slides that we were hoping to show you <laughs> as you watch the reunion. We are now from one faith okay. to another, from one person to another. The short-term team has become long-term, and there is now a family. Uh, in one of the places we were, were able to see one of our team members from here praying for Sophia's brother. He allowed us to pray for him. And so, uh, yeah, that is, uh, that is now, that's Sophia. And uh, their family had a bakery. And she used to work in this bakery until she decided to follow Christ. And she had to leave the home. And so that's her brother who is running the bakery business. But we were able, like 10 years after, go back to her family. And she took now the team, short-term team, to her family. And it was so beautiful. And we could say more stories of what empowerment looks like. But it starts with one obedience. One obedience says you are willing and you are obedient. You may be the puzzle. I see myself as just a puzzle in what the Lord was doing in Sophia's life. Amen. So there are uh, three levels of empowerment when you go on a short-term trip. The first one is you have the visiting team. That would be the team that you're on. You're going to visit someone. And among the group dynamics of that team, these women, historically, have been extremely empowered. We're going to share some stories later. The next uh, level or opportunity piece of the pie is the receiving team. This would be their host team. This is who you are spending the time with, the week with. 
And so often when we go and maybe we're doing a large women's conference or something, we, we wouldn't get to be able, especially in a room like this, to meet each one of you and hear your stories. But when we're spending a, a side-by-side with a team like Pam and I, we get to know each other. And so that's another one. And then there are others. There are the persons, the people that you are going to work with, and then there are others that will come and hear. And we've got some stories we want to share about that. So empowerment is three ways. It's the visiting team. It's the receiving team. And it's others. And we're going to give you some examples of those. So the... Um, <laughs> no, I want to go backwards. The um, Hope Alive initiatives as part of the holistic empowerment is we use Luke 2.52 as one of our main references. Can anybody quote that? She can. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so how does that ex- uh, exemplify holistic ministry? When you look at the, all the aspects of Jesus' growth, he's growing in wisdom. And so as you, as you come on short-term team, I'll be able to show you something. You're able to glean wisdom from me, and I'm able to glean wisdom from you. I want us to look at a, a very familiar example, Mary and Elizabeth. Yes. The Bible says, after Mary was told that her cousin Elizabeth was expectant, she left immediately to go and visit Elizabeth. And we see just a testimony of worship. As Elizabeth is telling Mary, blessed be the one who has believed the Lord's message for her. And then Mary also breaks in worship. That's a typical scene of where an older one, Appreciate the younger one. Mary was overwhelmed by whatever she was carrying, and Elizabeth was in hiding of whatever she was carrying. So you find two extremes. One should be excited, but is hiding because of age. One is excited, but has to hide because her pregnancy was not normal. But we see wisdom as the two women encourage one another. And so as you cross your border, as you cross, it may even be domestic, may go to another state, you will grow in wisdom. By the time you leave your family, you leave your surrounding, there is wisdom around you. There is wisdom that is all over you, and you will grow in wisdom. And then also, by the time you step out, you are increasing in stature. It may not be physical stature, what you are able to do when you compare with your age when you compare with your peers somebody says wow you are there's something about you but the time somebody says even as a nurse you are such a special nurse it means that God has increased your stature there is something that somebody is seeing in you as a nurse that is different from other nurses sometimes they just say I like the way you had on me. I like the way you, you, you talk to me. It means that the Lord would have increased your stature. And then it says that he grew in favor. In favor. In favor with man. Isn't it amazing when you come and so you're welcome. Please come. We share a meal together. Those are memories that you cherish. And you find that maybe where there was fear, fear is gone. You can't even find fear anymore. There's that excitement. When's the next trip? I want to go on the next trip. And so you find that because of that favor with man, you find that you are excited. And then with God. Isn't it just beautiful to know that you are fulfilling what God has commanded you to do? We may not appear in the pages of the books that are being written, but there's that sense of satisfaction that I'm at the right place and have done the right thing. That comes with that, what the scripture says, that that's the way Jesus grew. He grew in all aspects, and he wants us also to grow in all those aspects. Amen. So we have the holistic approach to ministry, 
it's, it's wisdom is our intellect. So we want to stimulate people's uh, minds, give them a purpose. Let them know that they are somebody. That God sees them as a unique individual with unique gifts and talents. And we want to help them find the thing that they have in their hand that God can use. And it could be a literal thing, it could be a figurative thing. But we want to help them discover that. In stature, is we want to we uh, minister to the physical body. So it's hard to uh, teach somebody who's hungry. And so if we need to meet the felt need first, then let's do that. Oftentimes we see the felt need for women is something as, as simple as an appropriate touch. It's a safe place. It's knowing that I am not going to abuse her or, um, or betray her confidence but that I am there to listen to her. That she is important enough for me to take time to spend with her. And then in favor with God, is God wants us to mature spiritually. And so how do we grow in favor with God? And that's walking out in obedience with Him. So how can we teach somebody, especially we're thinking in an African context, who may see Jesus as another part of an animistic tradition? And so we can help them see, no, Jesus is a person and He's the Son of God and He died for you and He hears you. And He is the gateway to a loving Heavenly Father. So that's the uh, spiritual part. And then with man is socially. So we love to see women cross social barriers within their own cultural context. And teach them how to become a safe place themselves so that they can create safe places for others. So that's the holistic model that we use, Pam and I do, when we, when we travel. Uh, we covered that. This is Sophia. Um, we're in the marketplace. And we just had a lovely conversation with these women. I, got to, uh, I couldn't understand what they were talking about. But Sophia was able, I think at this point, was sharing some of her faith with these, with these women and opened a door for them to ask questions in a safe way. This is a team, if you're in this picture, raise your hand. Ah, there she is. Tanya was on this team. And as we're talking about the visiting team, um, you can see the white, especially this big white face, but you can see that we're all different skin tones. But every person on this team When they were asked to join, Tanya, correct me if I'm wrong, said, I don't have anything to give. (laughs) I can't do that. I'm just a mom. I just lead a Bible study. I just, and and we, we discount ourselves. But I guarantee at the end of this, Tanya was much more confident and empowered. We saw her grow from day one to day ten. We'll talk a little bit more about some of those other faces in there. This is also at the bread factory. Do you want to explain? We're just, we're just at a point where we're just going to tell some stories about some empowerment. So Bonnie is the one that is praying over this family. We are in a Muslim compound in a house that is also a bread factory. And it is the biggest bread factory and supplier in that area in Ghana. It's a commercial operation, and they are known as a very influential Islamic family. So when Sophia, that's her in the red shirt in the corner, gave her life to Christ, she had to flee. Because it was the brother, the oldest brother's um, duty to cover her shame. The shame that she had brought on the family. So she had to flee for her life. This is the first time that we were back in her hometown. And because she was with a team that loved her and supported her, she had the courage to go back to her brother and say, I'm in town, I'd like to come visit. And you know what? The next day, 
the brother that was tasked with covering her shame, I hope you understand what I'm saying there, gifted us with loaves and loaves of bread. So much that we could not eat it, we ended up having to give a lot of it away. The next morning, more and more bread started coming. And it was an opportunity because of kind of this weird dynamic of the credibility that we brought as a foreigner's coming, that she could go back to her brother and say, can we repair this relationship? Um, We have another picture I wasn't able to put in here of us praying for the matriarch of the family. We're standing in a Muslim home praying in the name of Jesus. And that was a beautiful thing. And it's not because any of us had to preach. All we had to do was say, Sophia asked, do you mind if you come to my home, my family home? And of course we said yes. Beautiful story. So Bonnie is just praying again over that. We went to say goodbye before we left town. And they asked Bonnie to pray again. So imagine what Bonnie is feeling right here. That, sh- that, that she's from Louisville, Kentucky. Praying in this place half, you know, half the world away. <coughs> impacting and planting seeds. She may never know the outcome, but we know it's from God. Amen? Amen. I'll let you tell the story. <laughs> Go ahead. This uh, young woman in the blue shirt... Is a, her name is Karen. She's Kenyan. We're in um, Ghana. Are we in Malawi? I think we're in Ghana. And uh, she is on our staff. She's a program director of Hope Alive Initiatives in Kenya. She's a young woman, a millennial, which is what Hope Alive is trying to do. We're investing intentionally in young adults 25 to 35. If we're a training and disciple-making ministry, we need to empower and encourage those who are coming behind us. So she is one of these uh, young women that's doing that. And this is the second trip she was on this summer. The first trip was with another team in Malawi. And she just watched us on that first trip. She'd never been on an international trip like this before. She had been on some others. And I told her in Malawi, I said, get ready. Your turn is coming up in Ghana. She's like, no, you're not serious. I said, no, no, I'm serious. You will get an opportunity. And this is her just walking in her gift of sitting next to somebody. That's an interpreter with his back turned. But the conversation was between Karen and this other Ghanaian woman. And she is just investing time, hearing her story, listening to what she had to say, and just encouraging her. It's beautiful to watch the younger generation do that, and we need to give them opportunities. This is uh, Haley Brock. This is definitely Ghana. She was a resident here, and we were trying to recruit for this team. When you recruit for a trip to Africa, uh, sometimes... Uh, it's difficult <laughs> because people think we're going into rough and dangerous places. We're going to be out in the bush. There are going to be lions and tigers, although tigers are from a different continent. But sometimes people don't realize that. And it's difficult for people to say, well, I could go to Europe. Europe's easy. I could go to South America. That's an easy place. People look like me. When you're going someplace where people look different, for some reason, it seems to take a little bit more courage to get there. So she um, was part of our team, a gifted young woman. She's here somewhere in the conference. And these older women saw her and said, you know what, there's something in you, and we want to cover you in prayer. And this was a spontaneous moment where the older women that we were going to minister to ministered to her instead. And so that's another picture of the empowerment that comes from short-term team to a visiting team member and a receiving team. And then there are others in the room that you can't see. There's the interpreter. 
there are some men in the background at a women's conference hearing what's happening. And this is a very special picture. So that's me. You see how hot I am just wilting. (laughs) So please don't publish this on Facebook. And the woman next to me, her name is Selena. She was part of our original, one of our original team members in Ghana. Uh, Her husband is uh, the second one from the left. His name is Samson. And they had asked me, this was my third trip to Ghana. And Samson was my first friend in Ghana. Precious, precious man. And he said, Sarah, I really want you to come to my church this time. And I said, it's not up to me. I think they already have plans for us. So I can't commit. And he goes, okay, well, let me, let me see what I can do. <laughs> so he did a few things. And we ended up going to his church. Tanya was, was with me and another one of our team members. And they gave me the opportunity just to share uh, what God had put on my heart and prayed for these young men. They were up-and-coming pastors that Samson was training. And this is the last picture I have of Samson. He was an original member of Hope Alive Initiatives when it was founded in Ghana, if not the original, the original member, the, the first friend of Frank and Pam, who was a pastor. And so through empowering Samson, his wife Selena, who's standing next to me, also became empowered. She is a firecracker. But Samson passed away suddenly after returning home from a training trip that he was gone. Traditionally, that would leave Selena in a very difficult, difficult place as a widow caring for four children. But because he had a vision that his wife should also be blessed with an empowerment model, he made sure that his wife was able to attend and walked with us through this whole week that we were there and over the years made sure if Samson's being trained Selena also needs to be trained and they worked side by side so now that he is gone she is um, empowered to handle the school she runs the school and um, is there a farm property they have some property and so she was not left like many widows without any way to care for herself. And so this is just a precious, precious example of empowerment and just the small role that we get to play. And I was just there just to love on them. So if you're in this picture, raise your hand. Higher. Higher. Tanya is up here. Oftentimes, again, is, is... I I show you this picture is is of our partners in Malawi. Uh, The couple in the front is Ronald, Pastor Ronald. uh, He's a bishop in that area, and this is his family. And so Tanya is to my left in this picture, and she's smiling and gorgeous there. But let me tell you, she had to overcome some major adversity from day one. We had gone from here to Indianapolis. It was a cheaper flight. We spent the night. Somehow in the night, your back was pinched very severely, so much so that she had to have a surgical correction when she came back. But she very easily could have said, I don't think I should go on that, but she pressed through. And just look at, look at your face. You are just so happy as a clam, happy as a clam. And it was pivotal for you to be on this trip. Um, she was just an asset to us in ways I can't even describe. And then we see Karen again, the woman with the sunglasses on her head. Uh, she's in a different picture. I'm going to skip her story. And then the woman next to Pamela. That all of us on this team had some sort of adversity we had to overcome to push through. It's not always easy in the going, but. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's easy in the looking back, isn't it? Yeah. About what God can do when we put our comfort aside, when we put our needs aside. 
it's extremely important that we don't let the what ifs cancel out what God is planning on doing. This picture here is empowering empowerment of the receiving team. In this context, this is in Malawi, they don't typically do small group discussion. Uh, teaching is rote. The teacher has the right answers and gives you the right answers, and then you say the right answers back to the teacher. And so when we introduce this model of, of group work, where everybody in the group has a voice and an opportunity to speak, for some of these women, it's the first time that they are given that opportunity to say that you what you have to say is important, and I want to take the time to listen. And that's what's happening in this in this picture. And then this here is. Do you want to share some? Are you good? <laughs> this picture is at the end of a week in Malawi. We had asked the uh, women to pair up with each other and pray. Oftentimes, and sometimes this happens in the state, we pray at people. Have you ever felt like you were being prayed at? Like somebody wasn't, they, they were just just throwing stuff at you and not really thinking of the heart and the impact the words are making. We see that everywhere we go. So we ask them to intentionally pray for each other. We're going to see if the video works here. There's no sound. Turn up his volume. You could pause it. Okay, what's interesting about this is that these these four women, if you're in this picture, raise your hand. It's Tanya and Tanya again. When we first started this activity, those four women were looking. I had the camera. were looking at me. All this praying was going on. And I had to say, no, you guys, you pray with each other. Oh, okay. So as even though we're, we're going as a team, like don't forget to take time to participate in what God has got for you. We're going we're gonna to do this exercise here in a minute. This is another picture at the end of the week where uh, Tanya Schonsberg wanted to do a foot washing. Well, washing feet in Malawi in the middle of winter, well, for us, the weather was perfect. For them, it was very, very cold. And they said, they said, you want us to take off our shoes and get our feet wet in the winter? We said, okay. So she, in her, she's a genius and said, let's just wash their hands. There's an African proverb that says it takes two hands to wash one. So I have to use my two hands. To... And so we took, this was a, this was a smaller group, and we, we uh, set up a hand washing station. There's a team member there that washed. Then they were taken to another chair, and they were just prayed over and loved on. <clears throat> we didn't need any special skills. We all know how to wash our hands. But to wash the hands of someone else is a very intimate and tender opportunity. And so this was a phenomenal impact. Those women, when we go back, they remember. They remember these moments. So this takes us back to Melissa Farmer. This was in um, Malawi. Thank you. I get my countries confused. This was in Malawi this last summer, uh, 2022. And, you know, we all have baggage. And her baggage was that she had just buried her son, had been killed in a horrific traffic accident. And she was in the throes of grief. But she said when this opportunity came along, that she wanted to use that grief for something good. And she was the light on our team. She kept us in stitches. She was just so full of joy. And she had a team praying for her back home. In fact, many of them were like, we shouldn't, you know, maybe you need to wait. You should wait. And she's like, no, the opportunity is coming. I'm going to take it now. And it was a tremendous step in her healing process over the grief of losing her 18-year-old son. 
That was uh, he, he died in February that year, and this was July. Not to mention this young man who's mean mugging in the front. <laughs> but Melissa just drew people because she was willing to sit and laugh. And bless her heart, she didn't know a lot of times what was happening around her, but she knew she was having a good time, and she wanted to share that joy because God had done something in her. And she also was empowered to lead a team. So she took a team to Kenya uh, this year in 2023 and led a medical team to work um, in Kenya. Tremendous story of empowerment. And this is one of my favorites. She, she was a high school student. She went on a high school trip. We don't always lead just women's teams. This was her comfort zone. When you are the, the belle of the ball and you've got kids just coming around, they love touching our hair here, she is letting barriers just come down. And she is just, I mean, you see the joy on her face. A few days later, um, the team leader and I knew what was coming. And, and we had prepared our high school students for what was coming. But we didn't necessarily tell them what it was. So she was told that she would have to stand in front of a high school girls and give a talk. A girl talk to high school girls. And I don't know if you can tell in that picture, but she had been sobbing and weeping because she was terrified. So this is what she had to do. It's her peers. It's the first time she stepped out. She said, if you had told me that I was going to do this, I never would have come. And now, she, not, not just because of this trip, this is a small portion of the sentence in her story, is that she's a special education teacher standing in front of a group of students Every day, investing in them. And it's because she was given the opportunity to become empowered. Her name is Abby Powers, by the way. I just, just thought of that. So, we want to break barriers and create a safe places. And that's what empowerment is about. It's about allowing people to come into your circle, burst your bubble, and know that you are there because God loves them. And they know that you are there because God loves them. So we'd like to, um, these are just a couple other pictures and some examples um, of some of the barriers that we crossed. This is one video I want to show you real quick. It's a minute long. We may not watch the whole minute. So we were at a conference. It's Pamela, myself, and another colleague in Malawi again. Uh, these were several trips over years at Malawi. And... Um, Pam's husband, Francis, was supposed to come with us. At the last minute, he said, no, I just want you guys to go. And Pastor Ronald, that's whose home we were in, in the other picture, was irate. (laughs) He said, what am I supposed to do? You're sending these women. What am I supposed to do with these women? We, We taught the first day in community development, holistic community development, And he came up the next morning and he says, I have a confession to make. These are women of God, and you need to listen to them. And so this is the reaction of the pastors at the end of the conference. Imagine if all the pastors of your churches got together and did this. all of our, uh, our, our coursework along the walls there. <coughs> so when we talk about the others that are there, 
You saw all the children in the room. This is a man who brought his wife to a women's conference. And it was because they, they all came on a motorbike. And so um, he had to come in order for his wife to make it. And he sat in the back with the children and listened to everything that was going on. And uh, when I talked to him, um, he will pray and he will say, remember that women's conference that I got to come to. <laughs> and he is, he is just a blessing to me. So are you ready to intentionally invest in women through short-term trips? In order for them to effectively demonstrate the love of God, if you are ready and you would like uh, some more information or you would like to partner with us, we may have some upcoming trips coming in 2024. I've got some papers here that our assistant will pass out. You can just, just sign your name on any of those forms. They're all the same. You must be wondering, uh, there are no medical opportunities for short term. I uh, hope I like partners with other organizations too. Like if you go, uh, if you walk around the good days, uh, teach to transform, we have Empower, we have ITEC. So maybe if you want a medical, maybe you want a specific, specific medical short-term team, then those are our partners, and you'll have a place to plug in. They have a place for you. Just remember, you may be that piece of a puzzle that is the missing part of the puzzle. Yeah, let me, uh, we don't have time to pray for each other. I'm just going to pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us this space today, this hour at this conference and this room, to just hear about you and the things that you are doing across the world. We want to give you all the glory and honor that's due your name. Father, open our eyes so that we can see when an opportunity is given. Help us to say yes to the opportunity. Father, we thank you that you taught us, that you have empowered us so that we can empower others. Thank you for for giving us the model of making disciples to help others make disciples who make disciples. Father, we surrender all that you are working and doing back to you for your glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so much. We'll hang around if you have any questions.